And I am joined on the line with our good friend Brian Smith to talk some unusual stories of motoring and transport. G'day, Brian. G'day, David. Now, in January, the bus company that was transporting people in Darwin from the waterfront to the Stokes Hill Wharf, they implemented an autonomous vehicle. It's carried 3,500 passengers have ridden it in the six months but uh, a lot of people are deeply concerned because, well, not so much concerned, but thinking, why does there still have to be a, a person from the company on the bus? Not quite a driver in one sense, but nonetheless a, another person along there. Brian, I might have initially thought that that might have given some people some sense of security. Yeah, well, I think the, the trial is the key sort of word here in that... Um you know, they're, they're trying out driverless buses or autonomous buses. Uh, and I think they, they, they need to collect data. Um, and a lot of it, I guess, can be collected, you know, automatically and digitally. But uh, I think certainly in the trial process, you, you would want um, to have a person there observing how people use it and able to intervene if something goes wrong. But, but I think, too, that people are in the transition will probably be reassured by having a driver there who's able to take control should something untoward happen. Because there's a real safety issue, I think, here. Look, I think that giving people confidence that can do it is a very important point. I was driving the Tesla the other day, which I think I may have mentioned shows on your screen how it is perceiving the lines on the road and how it's perceiving that there's a car in front of it. And it gave me confidence that the car had some idea that it knew that what it was doing. And I think mm. that's all part of it. I think in the short term, if the is the guy actually sitting behind the steering wheel or is he sort of up the back chatting up the young lady? <laughs> that's a good question. Interestingly, uh, one of these buses were trialled in Perth, a snowmobile driverless. I don't think they they had um, a driver on board, but they, they were certainly providing staff who, who showed people around the service. It carried... Um, yeah, you know, a few thousand people. Uh, so I, I think, interestingly, um, you know, these driverless uh, trials will continue. And for mine, I'm quite happy that there may well be a driver to help people get used to it. I remember the early days of the monorail being introduced in Sydney that uh, customers really did want to have a human being in the vehicle uh, initially. And, they, you know, that's on a track that, that really nothing much can go wrong. But but uh, the interesting thing, India has, has announced just very recently that uh, the, their plan is to um, ban driverless cars in order to protect jobs. Ah. So uh, the question of, you know, the job for the drivers, they're saying, you know, if you've got unemployment in the country, uh, they're a bit reluctant to introduce a technology that, um, that I guess takes away jobs human jobs you know that's exactly the point i want to make i was talking to a young guy who was the political advisor to a liberal party state minister and yeah lovely bloke. i enjoyed the conversation we didn't totally agree on a full range of issues but i said that i'm looking forward for to autonomous buses because they will operate much smoother than buses by a yes. driver I, I was on a bus the other day and and you know it came up to the bus stop and there were about five solid prods at the brake and then off <laughs> And, uh, you know, I looked up and I was getting out of my seat, but, you know, nearly having to catch the bloke who was standing there. We looked at each other and I said, it will be a godsend when we get autonomous buses. Now, the young political advisor said, oh, yeah, but think of all the jobs that are lost, which from a conservative person 
made me wonder, but that was another point. Jobs and growth, you know, that's what he got <laughs> into. But the point is, perhaps we could use them for other things. You said that, helping people to get used to it, to be able to perhaps load their bike onto the rack on the front or help older people out, or from a security point of view, I'm not sure whether that means they have to be bouncer size, but... <laughs> The notion that we don't have to have the person driving, but in the future, if we are losing mechanical type jobs to robots, perhaps we might well be able to provide more jobs for service type things in, in sickness. It's, you know, there will be a robot to do the operation, but maybe having people with you while you're in the hospital and that is a real service industry. Well, well two interesting comments on this, David. Um, the idea of autonomous buses is a is a really interesting one, and I, and I I'm pleased to see that there's a lot of trials, public trials, where autonomous buses are taking sort of centre stage. But most of the cost of operating a bus is the cost of the driver, hmm. employment of the driver. So removing the driver from the equ equation potentially means you can operate bus services much more cheaply, reinvest some of that, that cost into more services or cheaper services. So there's a, a benefit there for a lot of people potentially at the cost of a job. So the other side of the equation, David, is uh, we've, we've just finished um, preparing some guidelines for the federal government on whole of journey planning. And this is uh, planning to make sure that uh, services and infrastructure are accessible for people with mobility impairments um, and, and disabilities that affect their ability to travel by public transport and and in talking with lots of people who have these impairments this uh, this big theme came out that they rely on other people to help them so they rely on the staff the face-to-face -face, you know, contact with staff and with other people to help them navigate the system and understand particularly when things change from business as usual so having a driver human being on the vehicle or in an interchange is of great benefit to to people uh, particularly with impairments. So it's a, it's a complicated um, challenge, I think. One of the interesting issues is if particularly on a heavily used uh, transport route that you could almost have people at each station, each bus stop or, that could facilitate uh, and, and use less people than you might have buses. Uh, yes. it's, it's, yeah. I'm not saying that's a total answer, but it it's an approach to consider... Because at my local bus stop, where on the main drag on a motorway which has a bus lane, where there's a bus every minute in the morning peak, but some of them go in certain directions, they've I've often had, and certainly for the first six, 12 months or more, a person at the spot who's facilitating, who's helping people. Yeah, and that, that could be some, you know, it may not be job losses, but different types of jobs yes. that still yeah. maintain customer focus and customer um, support. The autonomous bus in Darwin doesn't have great capacity. If you have a driver on there, he's taking up maybe <laughs> one-sixth of the, the space. <laughs> yes, it's a wee bus, isn't it? 